0: Hello everybody. Thank you for being here. It's very uh, honouring of you. I uh, I trust you're enjoying these sessions and it's teaching you something. Um, I know that sometimes you think well what you know why do we need to learn all of this and and as I was asking myself the question today as as I've been studying I recognise I have a need for it because I feel as as though a lot of the things that I was taught as I was growing up actually weren't very Uh, Healthy for me and weren't very wholesome and um, certainly when it comes to the whole issue of who God was and then his counterpart, the devil, who he was and trying to understand um, what power each of them had uh, could actually get quite confusing and, uh, you know, in in the end you, you didn't know what God was responsible for and what the devil was responsible for. And um, I know some of you might not feel that you've had that same thing, but but for me, it was important to try and figure it all out. And um, so um, what we're going to try and do tonight, and in all honesty, I, m- my brain's quite scrambled. I need a miracle to to be clear. So be, be sending me some positive vibes, please. Um, I want to bring us to a place where we actually talk about... Uh, Jesus's view on all this because we we often say if Jesus is the exact representation of the father surely it matters what he said um and yet it it worries me a little bit even when I pursue that because what you have is for instance let's take the topic of grace Jesus does not talk about grace at all and you think well surely it should have been out of his mouth we would learn about grace but we didn't we learned about grace through Paul, but in fact, it says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. So what you find in Jesus is the grace, but you find other people talking about grace. So I've gone to talk uh, to see what Jesus says about, you know, Satan, the devil. Oh, I didn't put the devil up there. Silly me. Sorry, I've had to rewrite this because some nice person cleaned it off for me. So, sorry, Diablos was actually devil. Are they going into the lake of fire? Yeah. (laughs) Um, We we were talking about, you know, these names and how, and I'm doing a very quick recap because I can't spend time if we're going to move on. Um, That basically, Satan in the Hebrew just means adversary. Um, Devil in the New Testament just means accuser. This word Lucifer here is a, a made-up name because it didn't appear as a real name until about the 4th century and that came out of the Latin and I don't want to have to go through all of it again but it, was, it, it could mean all of these things but what it wasn't was a, a real name in the same way that Satan isn't actually a real name but somehow Satan gets adopted as a real name and I'm trying to figure out well First of all, is is any of this right, Uh, and and, um, does he exist at all? Well, I know that really throws some people a really awful spanner, because we've been taught, haven't we, that that the devil is sort of the arch enemy of God, and and it's all about this battle that right until the very end is going on, good over evil, and uh, so we sort of just swallow it and say, well, fair enough, uh, that's how it is, but is it how it is? Because uh, like we've said, um, if you look in the Old Testament, you've got examples of how God was written up as Satan going to people, uh, an adversary sent from God or even God himself. Um, But the name Satan is used, but it doesn't mean he is the the Satan as in the being, it just means he was being adversarial because that is what was required in that moment to get the desired result that was going on. Um, let me think. Uh, we talked about in the King James Version, there's this name comes up, Halal son of Shahar, which I particularly like only because of Naughtiness, really. But the fact is that if Michael and Gabriel are angels, if we've got a fallen angel, he needs to at least have a name with L at the end because that would seem, you know, appropriate. Um, But we find that if we pursue this name here, it's actually one of the gods of the Canaanite um, pantheon of gods. Who actually, if you if you just do some research on it, uh, in their story, they have the story of this being here, who tried to take down El, who was the Canaanite's most high god, and uh, tried to bring him down. So they've got a similar story as we sort of have. Then we pursued the the reference that's about this supposed person called Lucifer in Isaiah, which we find is very flimsy, because to say that it's about this being who's supposed to be such an arch enemy of god it's so flimsy for me that i'm thinking how can that this one reference be referring to this arch enemy and we we could take it that it actually isn't about uh, a fallen angel at all it's talking about something that's fallen but it actually could be a man and i'm saying could that's just this king of king of babylon so um uh yeah, that's that. Don't look at this because this is what we're going to try and look, look at tonight. Um, so then we decided, okay, well, if Lucifer is only mentioned once uh, in the Bible in the sense of this is the name of this fallen angel, um, let's let's pursue other things. And we found that when we came to look at the um, Feast of Atonement, which for, for most of you will understand has been the, the, the incredible important part of what we would call the Christian understanding of our story that it's about the atonement um, that is the parallel although we've understood it's more about Passover than it is atonement but we come across this name and again we've got a, an EL there and it's only uh, mentioned um, in the the, the uh, Hebrew um, version of the Bible because when you get to King James This name here is actually interpreted scapegoat. So it's interesting in in the fact that it's turned the other way around. Where one has used a name, we've lost a name and got scapegoat, which the theory of scapegoat, the one who basically takes the punishment for the the sins of the people. Um, And we were seeing how... uh, we find that the story of the fallen angel, potentially this Isaiah's I still can't say it, um, comes from this book of Enoch. And Enoch was the great-grandfather of Noah. And uh, yet, whatever he witnessed and saw, his book wasn't deemed worth putting into the Bible. But this is where a lot of our information or, or pictures of fallen angels Dante got most of his stuff from, so Dante's Inferno is taken mostly uh, from the, the book of Enoch. So we see that there is a, another picture going on that's potentially this guy's name here, um, but we, we still don't know whether, whether that is the one or whether that's just another story. And You see, this is what concerns me a little bit, is how much um, is what's, Said in the New Testament, for instance, a a what would I call it? Um, A a a work based on a on on a prevalent is that the right word prevalent story that was going on. So, for instance, the Book of Enoch, although it wasn't included in the the canon, was very much around, and known and read. And even to this day in, in Ethiopia, it is their biggest book. And so we don't have it, but they have it. And you think, well, what's this all about? Well, you know, why, have we've, why have some got it and, and others? Now, we also talked about um, the fact that in the Old Testament, there was very much this idea that both good and evil came from God. There wasn't two separate beings It was just God. And that's why it can be confusing when it looks, you're reading a passage and it'll say, uh, you know, and the angel of the Lord went to so-and-so, but basically what it was going to do was kill them all. And you're thinking, ah, what's what's going on here? Because as far as it was written up, the the Hebrew people couldn't accept there being anything of an equal power as God. And and I get it a little bit. I, I understand it a bit because the moment you bring in a, a, a sort of an arch enemy it, it sort of takes away from the power of of your god but anyway that that's what it what it was like and it was only uh, much later on that the whole concept of there being separate uh entities uh came in, in into view now it could be that because of, for instance, uh, that the going into captivity, um, the children of Israel going into Babylonian captivity or into Egyptian captivity, which that's whole big questions about all of that, they often were assimilated into the religions of the countries that they were in. And therefore, they would, although while trying to hold on to their purity of whatever it was that they believed, it would somehow get, get changed, and, it, and so they would change their ideas. And so, we, we do understand that by the time certain books were being written after, um, um, what do you call them, um, when you're taken into captivity, uh, when, when the word, um, what's the word? Exiled, bang, that's the word. After being exiled, when they came out, um, you find that sometimes their language had changed because they were beginning to talk in terms of, oh, well, it, it, it must have been this adversary. It must have been something else. And their language was beginning to change. Now, this is, again, just a, a, a bit of a, of a recap. Um, but like I say, we're talking about what Jesus' view is. And so when we look at Scripture we actually find that Jesus does mention uh, quite a lot uh, of, he uses the word the devil, he uses the word Satan, uh, and he, of course, talks about the devil and his angels. So you've got to still ask the question, is he talking about a literal being, or a fallen angel that fell, or is he actually talking about the devil and angels uh, and his fallen angels and uh, and, and that demonic uh, aspect, uh, in a a different way? Is he talking about it, uh, you know, in the same way? Because one could say, is he talking about just the inclination of evil within ourselves? And you could say the inclination of evil within ourselves, and then the actions are almost like the the devil and his angels, if you see what I mean. So we're going to just have a look at a few things, because I'm, I'm I'm worried because now we say we're going to ask questions, I think will I even get through any of it to be able to let you ask any questions about it because it's quite, um, you know, quite quite in-depth. Um, what I do want to say is that we can't just turn around and say that there is, quote, no devil just because we don't like the sound of him. <laughs> and I want to make that clear because that can be a very modern thing. Well, you know, I just don't like the idea of that so, you know, we just don't have him. We, we've either... We've either got to pursue it uh, um, with, with integrity to find out what is going on. However, what you do find is if you keep pursuing, some of the things that you're led to don't hang together. So you might say, okay, I, I read this and it really seems as though it gives a genuine proof that there is a fallen angel, whatever his name is, and basically is the archenemy of God. But then as you go along, what it leads you to does not hang together and it leaves you thinking, oh, we've got to go back and start again and do more pursuing. Is, is that making sense? But I want to make sure that we, we do this with integrity because nobody's trying just to get rid of something for the sake of it. But we want to we want to be real. Um, so, for instance, I'll just throw in now um, that the, the Bible talks, you know, in Revelation about the lake of, of fire And even Jesus uses uh, in a scripture, and we'll look at it in a minute, that talks about the lake of fire or or hell being prepared for the devil and his angels. So you immediately think, well, Jesus said it. It must be right. There must be a devil and there must be uh, his fallen angels. But then what that does is open up so many questions. Because if the devil is a fallen angel, that means that he must be immortal And then you're talking about going into a a fire that is basically, supposedly, if we go with the the story, going to burn forever and ever. So this being cannot be killed. It's just going to go on forever and ever and ever. But this is where it all gets a bit weird. People who don't believe are going to go there with him. Now, for me, that does not make any sense. So we're going to talk about it in a minute because... um, where we see that Jesus talks about this being, being the father of lies, we then learn why he's going in the lake of fire. And you begin to think, well, hang on a minute. What has the devil done to deserve this being in the lake of fire? Now, again, I'm not advocating this person who we've been brought up to believe is, an, is, a, is this evil foe. But what I'm trying to say is we must be careful that we don't just not look at it properly. Does that, that make sense? So, where are I, let me see where I'm going to start, because I don't really know where I'm going to start. Um, hmm. See, I've, I'm I'm fried. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Um, let's go to the garden. Let's go to the Garden of Eden, because remember, this is a. And I think I'm doing it all in the wrong order. So you're just going to have to sort of uh, be kind to me, if you will. If I well, see, I can't even find it now. Anne says you make way too many notes, and then. What happens is you can't, find. right, here we go, right. Oh, the other thing I need to say as well is that there are many, as many scriptures that talk about what, uh, and, and we'll go to them if I can find them, that talks about our evil desires come from within us. It talks about that in James. So we have to ask the question, do we need this evil adversary, this literal devil, if evil comes from within right it looks good to have to be able to say we have this evil enemy that that's the cause and he's responsible and all of this but if it comes from within then it, it then we've we've got to say well it comes comes from within but this is what i want to look at and um oh lord help me please help me be nice to me because i'm like i said i'm really quite scrambled with this uh, i can see why people don't bother going here because he's like whoa all right um so, we are led to believe in our common narrative that, that Satan was the serpent that was in the garden in the beginning. But can you just, because I, I just want to read it as it is. Because we've got to be careful that we don't read more into the text that is there. Now, you can get a, a, a spiritual uh, symbolism and you can get meaning from it. But we've got to be careful we don't just put stuff there it isn't. So can you put up for me, please, in the King James Version, um, Genesis chapter three and verse one, and we'll just quickly read it. And and then hopefully it'll all begin to make some sense. Um, Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field, which the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees, the garden, but of the fruit of the tree... Oh, no. Right, where we go? Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Next. because so I've got to get to the... Uh, oh, have I missed, is it? Did I say 3-1? Yeah, okay. Um, I've, I've just run up a bit for me and let me see, because I want to see where it's... Uh, further on. No, it's before then. Can you go the other way? I'm really sorry. I seem to have got me verses. Uh, it's probably because I'm trying to use Bible to give sort of backing, but um, there, that's what I wanted. You're right. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Have you got that? Just very clearly. Now, the serpent, why have we immediately assumed that that serpent, we said, well, it's because he was possessed, you know, the, the fallen angel, the devil, had come down and possessed him. Um, but basically, it says there that he was just more cunning than any beast of the field. So he was a beast of the field as well. Find that interesting, don't you? Anyway, um, it, can we look at uh, f- verse Verse 14. Is it 14 now? Uh, Right, yeah. The serpent deceived me and I ate, and the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more more than every beast of the, I think it's field. And on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Just stop there. All I'm trying to show you is if we just take that on its face value, and I 'm not saying that we shouldn't find more meaning in it i 'm just trying to give you what's there. what we have there is a is a beast of a field, it was cunning um, it was created by God. Um, if we believe that by this time God had declared in the garden everything good was then everything good, including the serpent I, I'm only offering you know some some thoughts. Um, does it say anything there? There is a fallen angel. Does it say, I, I'm just offering. So you see, we've, we've got this, you see. But I'm going to bring it into Jesus' view, view in a minute. So let's look at this. Everything was created good. Was the serpent punished for its actions? Was it? Right, it was cursed. And what was, what was the punishment? You're going to crawl on your belly. Right? How can we go from belly crawler to supernatural monster deity? I don't know. All I'm trying to say is that we seem to have this, this really strange thing. He's punished. He's been told you've done wrong. You're going to crawl on your belly. Um, now, apparently, according to the story, he could speak um, before. Now I don't know whether he could still speak after, but you know he could speak before. Um, but then you've got to ask the question, what was this serpent all about? Was it, was he, and, and I mean, there's this train of thought that says that the, that the, the um, angels, not the fallen ones, remember, because we haven't got to fallen angels supposedly until chapter 6, remember? When the, the do you remember we talked about the Nephilim? Again, I don't want to go through all of that. But basically, at this point, there is a school of thought that's suggesting that the angels are actually mentoring and tutoring um, Adam and Eve with, with all the knowledge and everything that they're supposed to learn in the garden because they're growing, they're understanding all the, the, the stuff that there is to, to, to understand. So it could be that we'd, what we've got is potentially the, uh, the, 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 an angel deciding that at that moment... He is going to challenge the situation of God. And we've got the story, haven't we, where basically um, uh, uh, that uh, that this fallen angel didn't like the idea of, of, of Adam being created. And so what would he do? If his anger was against God, the best thing to do is trick his Beloved creation and, and create a problem, which brings us to this whole business here. What Jesus said about Satan, he called him the father of lies, and he says he was a murderer from the beginning. So, let me just find this scripture if I can find it. Uh, gotta find it. Where is it? Two <laughs> right, so, um. In John 8, 44, this is one of the things that, that Jesus says. We could look at them all, but most of the references that Jesus is use, uses about Satan and the devil is purely on that adversarial and um, accuser thing. These are actually getting down to specifics where it's talking about potentially something or someone. Do you get, do you get me? So that's scripture that says... right. He's talking to the, the, the Jewish people and he says this, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do, he was a murderer from the beginning. So we actually have there some meaty stuff, haven't we, coming out of Jesus' mouth? Because he's actually saying to these Jewish people, I am associating you with something from the beginning, which is murderous and you basically evil, evil desires, which, again, takes us back to the beginning. If we're not careful, we talk about the beginning when it comes to the information about the fallen angel. The beginning is heaven, where supposedly Lucifer fell from heaven. Do you remember? We talked about that. But the beginning is not the big beginning there. What Jesus is talking about, the beginning, is creation. Because when he says, in the beginning, God created, he's talking about the beginning here. So he must be talking about somebody who was present in the beginning, who was a liar and who was a murderer. Does that make sense? Have you got it? Are you sure? Because I'm doing my best here. So how was then... If we're talking about the devil in the connection with this serpent, which we've already looked at the story, and there doesn't seem to be much uh, association with, with sort of really bad stuff there. There was certainly no lake of fire mentioned. There's no eternal torment or anything like that. We've just got this serpent crawling on his belly. But Jesus seems to be referring to the beginning and suggesting that the devil was... In the beginning, and he was a liar and a murderer. Right, so this is what we have to think then that is Jesus suggesting, and remember, I hope you keep hearing me, these are things I'm throwing in the pot for you to decide because I'm not telling you I, I, one way or another, I'm still working it out myself. We've got to decide if Jesus is actually telling us that, yes, in the beginning. In the garden, this is where it all went wrong. Are you with me, in the garden. Not in heaven, you know, prior. It's, it was in the garden. So let's just look at this. What, what happened in the garden? Well, we know for a fact what we've just read, that the serpent deceived me because the words were, has God said? And basically he lied about God said. So we've got... We've got the, the, a little bit of evidence there. There is a liar, right? So it could be then that the serpent was the, 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 the liar, right? The liar. But the, this is where I get a little bit worried because it says that he's a murderer. Well, where was, there, where was he a murderer? I don't know where he was a murderer, but the only way that I can deal with it is that basically death came as a result of the. De- I'm only throwing it. I'm trying to help here. You know, you're looking at me. Um, the death came as a result, and because of one man's sin, death entered the world. You've got then the, the, the idea that, that the devil murdered then everybody. I don't know. I, I, I'm just. It, it's a. Potential interesting thing, isn't it? So when Adam and Eve chose to do what they did, even though they were deceived, basically it caused their death. And therefore we have here that Jesus is suggesting that in the beginning, what was there was the father of lies and he was a murderer from, from the beginning. So we have Satan who told the first lie. He says, you're not going to die which led to their, their death. And then we have the issue that t- connects with Revelation because it talks then about all liars are the ones that go into the pit. So we have then the potential that, okay, well, that works because he, he can now then go into the lake of fire because we've said that he's a, he's a liar and a murderer. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, but he then also says... And I think it's in John 3, verse 8. He says, everyone who does not hold to the truth um, makes them a liar. So you've got the issue. We're all liars. So to, to, I just find that associating these things with this, what you would call this arch, arch enemy becomes a, 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 you know, a little, little bit problematic. But anyway, um, where are we are going now? So... Um where's my scripture for this? There it is. Um Father oh, of the Devil. Um Oh I'm sorry about this. I really don't know where I am. So just give me a second. Uh go back to this bit. Um Right. Then we have John 3, verse 8. If you, one, sorry, 1 John 3, verse 8. We have basically the uh, mention of what the mission of Jesus was to do. It was to destroy the works of the devil. So again, we've, and it says here, look, we're back to this. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. We we've, we've visited where we believe he was the liar and the murderer from the beginning. Um, but it says, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Um, but then if you go to Hebrews 2:14 we got it. Insomuch then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, He himself likewise shared in the same. That through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Right. Now, I think that that's a very interesting verse. Because when I read this, it sort of blew me away. And probably this is the best bit of the evening, okay? Because we have a bit of an issue. We've got Jesus basically taking on... I know it's Hebrew speaking, so it's not Jesus saying this, but it's about Jesus taking on flesh and blood so that as a man, he could destroy him who had the power of death. So what we have a little issue with here is that if Jesus had to become a man to deal with the devil, how can the devil be cosmic deity or an entity? Because you've got him becoming human to deal with the devil, whoever he is, whatever he is. Does that make sense? If he is this cosmic deity, wouldn't he have stayed a deity to deal with him? Now, I know that there's the story that says nobody came flesh in order to be like us, in order that he could break the, the power, but I just think that that's a real giveaway of the context of what... The devil is because it has to be something on a human level, not a cosmic level. Now I don't know whether that sort of helps a little bit there because he became flesh and blood. So why did he need to be flesh and blood to destroy the devil, you see? Um, Because Jesus's death destroys the devil. The devil, because he took on our evil inclination in that sense, of man's evil inclination, in order that we might be free, you see. He could not die unless he took on something of us, because he was innocent, wasn't he? He was without sin. Therefore, he took on our evil inclination so that he could destroy the power that was causing us a problem. Does that help? I'm, I'm hoping it does. So, um, therefore, through his death, he destroyed what says there, the devil. But what I believe that he's, he's saying that rather than the, the being per se, he's actually saying he destroyed that, that which ultimately would bring us death, right? Would bring us death. Right, where am I going now? Ah. So the word devil can be used in the scripture to describe systems, um, anything that is opposed. Because when we went back to the scripture that talks about the father of lies and he, uh, and he says, you're of the father, you are of your fa- father, the devil. If you just go back a few verses, what was happening was that the the Jews were actually trying to, Kill Jesus, trying to kill him. So he said, You're of your father, the devil. Why? Because lies and murder are actually the inclination of the heart of man. When it talks about the heart of man is desperately wicked. So, in, in essence, when it talks about we're at any point can be adversarial, it's because in our heart we have got the evil inclination of, of, of being liars and um, and, mur- and murderous now some people say no we're not we're nice people it's just not it's just not true you only have to get to a place where a person well you've seen it in the world when a person gets pushed to the point where they don't feel that they're getting what they want what is the thing that they do it, there's a murderous spirit that 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 comes out of them isn't there so anyway so anyway that I really feel that 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 helps me because in order that he might destroy him that had the power of death, he took on flesh and blood. And because he took on flesh and blood, he destroys the work of the devil, which is the evil inclination, which is the, 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 the lion and the murderous spirit which prevails because of, of, of sin. Does that make, am I making sense? It's All right. Oh right. Um, where am I now? Um, find find something else. Where are we going next? Um. <laughs> That's right. I make too many notes. So, <laughs> but then he's right, isn't he? So. Um. Right in uh, the New Testament. This word accuser comes up a lot of times and um, what's interesting, just to give you another little example, in Timothy it uh, it tells wives, right, of leaders not to be accusers or slanderers and the thing is the slanderers there actually means the word devil, that's the the, the word. So it's telling you in in 1 Timothy uh, that wives must not be devils, what do you make of that? And it's actually the same word. Uh, also in 2 Timothy, it's telling um, leaders um, who have to be of a, a good reputation not to be devils because that's false accusers. So you see what I mean? We, we, we're talking about human characteristics and human people um, You know that, that, that this is referring to. So uh, where am I going now? Um... Mm-mm. When it says that I saw Satan fall from heaven, we in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, and we we touched on this a, a, a little bit ago because this is another um, uh, good illustration of what Jesus said. You could immediately say, "Well, there you go. We're proving that that is a, a, associated with, you know, this fallen angel." But the previous verses is actually talking about um, the 70 coming back, having been given uh, authority over the works of the devil, which you could call the the, the, the inclinations of, of evilness in people's hearts, that which was being expressed from that. Um, and he says that, uh, you know, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name and that's when he says, "I saw uh, Satan fall like lightning from heaven." But the word "Satan" there is actually—they've um, kept it in the uh, the Hebrew. Um, but I don't know whether it would would be that because he probably spoke in Aramaic. But they've kept it in the. Um, in the Hebrew but it's actually satanus which is plural which is actually I I, I saw Satan's fall like lightning which then is, is wonderful in the context that he's referring to all the adversaries that in the previous uh, verses he saw falling because the issue is as is he's bringing and ushering in the kingdom which he said he'd come his mission was to Pull down the works of the evil one, he's actually seeing it happen. Now, you see, you can either say that that is a, a, a memory, and it could have been referring to the book of Enoch, because he'll have probably read that, you know, he'll have known about it. He'll be using it in the context of a story that the people would understand because he spoke in, in parables and in, in language they understand. So he, he talked in that way to say, look, you have a, a, an association with this story, whether it's the Canaanite Helal or whether it's Azazel or whether it's Lucifer or whatever, you have a, a story, but I'm telling you, it's happening now in our, in our midst. It's happening among the people. It's already, uh, it's been torn down. Um, hmm. Right, where am I? Yeah, so Jesus' response to the disciples, it's happening on earth. It's happening right now. You're able to witness it. Uh, The the, the adversarial kingdom. And remember, adversary is anything that opposes, gets in the way. When when Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, what was he doing? He was saying, your thinking... He's adversarial because what had he just said? He said, I'm go- you know, I'm going to have to die. He says, I'm not going to let you die. You know, so he was being adversarial in the sense he was getting in the way of God's purposes. Um, so watching Satan's kingdom fall, and he said it, it was quick, it was rapid, he says like lightning from heaven. What that means, it's rapid, it's quick, it's happening. Um, so we've either got to say, was he referring, like we say, to a primordial thing that we've been led to look at in the Isaiah, which was the, you know, supposed fall of whoever, or is he referring to potentially the, the future fall, or is it right there and then? I would like to believe it's right there and then. He's saying, I'm watching it. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it happen. It was the success of the, the 70 and what they would achieved. Now, it's interesting that we have, though, in, um, in Luke 22, 31, he talks about the fact that, actually, let's just go back a bit. In the next ch- chapter after this, he starts talking about the strong man being bound. He says, and if you want to release people, you've got to bind a strong man. And if you bind a strong man, you can actually... What, binding the strong man? You can actually rob him of his goods. You can take all his goods. Um, And he talks about plundering the adversary's realm. Now, I think we all understand the adversary's realm. I mean, come on, be honest. Don't we live in it when we feel that that there there are people who are against us and we're struggling? You can feel it, can't you? And we so much want to plunder that Realm and, and and bring it down, um, so we we see that Jesus grants the disciples this this power over this adversarial force that was manifesting itself. But what's quite interesting is the disciples themselves though weren't immune to the the evil inclination in their own heart, because you get the uh, the, the the story of Jesus saying to Peter, "Satan's decided this." I, wants to sift you like like wheat now is he talking about a being or is he, or is he saying no your evil inclination is going to get potentially the better of you, you you're going to be challenged and you're going to be tested and taken to this place and we know don't we that ultimately uh, his um his denying of of jesus was when basically you know he he um, didn't make the test, but so that they weren't immune to, sit, to the to the power of the adversary. Um, and in two Corinthians, we've got even Paul, who it says that he have been given a thorn in the flesh, which was basically adversarial to to him. So it's although he's doing all these incredible things, watching adversaries fall in other situations. In himself, he was still struggling. Interesting, isn't it? So anyway, that's that. So this is where I sort of want to, to, to bring you to. We, we struggle a little bit where he talks um, about the... Uh, where's that scripture gone? Oh. Um, in Matthew 25, he talks about um, the lake of fire being prepared... For the for the devil and his angels, and um, lots of people have asked, well, if they are real, right? If they are real, it seems that God asks us to uh, forgive our enemies, but why then isn't God forgiving His? Right now, we can't spend tonight talking about that. If, because like I say, you've got you've got to follow two angles. If. The devil is a real entity. You have to follow a whole bunch of thoughts that way. If he's not, you follow a whole bunch this way. And I can't do both at the same time. But what I can say to you, if the devil is only not a being per se, but is purely just the adversary, uh, adversarial nature within ourselves, the truth is it is all forgiven because it's not, it's not going to be there to deal with, is it? If you see what I mean. Because through death, he destroyed him who had the power of death by taking on flesh and blood. So it means then that we, we, we don't have that issue of him having to, to forgive his enemies because the forgiven. He forgave them through the cross. He says he reconciled all things to himself, all things. Now, you could use that whether you're actually believing the devil as an, a real entity or not, which let me just bring you now to Colossians 1.15. And I know I've done a horrendous job tonight, so I do apologise. I've, I've not done very good at all, so I apologise. Um, let's just go to Colossians 1.15-17, and I just want to look at this because I think it's absolutely awesome and... Um, it's here. Right. Um. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him. So have you got the All. And we're, we're talking about everything being created by him. So you've even got to put in there, if we have a devil, he was created by him, whatever that looks like. But keep going, and, and for him. Remember, it was created for him. Um, and he is before all things. And in, in him, all things consist. Keep going, because um, it just gets better. Uh, And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Just going a little bit further, see if there's... uh, All the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. But get this now, though. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of God, of his cross. Now, what does that say there? Things in heaven. Have you considered that things need reconciling in heaven. What needs reconciling in heaven? See, again, I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm probably not telling you much tonight. But it says there, things in heaven need reconciling. So I go back to if there is a real devil and his angels. Are they classed as the in heaven in the sense of their, uh, what they are made of? They're not human. They're, are you with me? They're different species. But it says, whether things on earth, which suggest human, or things in heaven, which suggest not human, <laughs> uh, having made peace through the blood of the cross, is going to reconcile all things to himself. And I think that that's interesting. So we can either go down the line that it's a made-up entity in order to fit with the stories of the day, you know, to, to, to parallel whatever other people were, were believing, or we can say that, okay, I struggle with this in the sense that we would have to then say if all things were made by him and for him, That means then that the serpent in the garden, the father of lives murdering from the beginning, was actually used for God's purposes, which some people like to say, well, yeah, it's all in God's plan and God knows all that's happening and and even Satan was used for his purposes. Now, I don't know how I feel about that, but I'm happy to keep studying it through um, because at the end of the day, This helps me say that whatever is going on, everything is going to be reconciled. So, what else have I got to say then? Right. Um, The bit about... uh, (laughs) No, I'm going to just leave it at that and you can go and talk. And you can say, what on earth was all that about? So... See, is there, is, is there salvation for angels? One group say there isn't because it's only purely for humans and they're outside of that. Angels don't know how to receive. And, and so it gets really messy. We can't do that right now, but there's a whole line of thought that says, says they can't. But if there are things that need reconciling in heaven, it makes you wonder what that is that's going to uh, be, be reconciled. So let's just see if I'm done. Yeah, I'm done because I'm too scrambled and I'm going to let you talk. And if you ask me questions, I'll probably be able to help you. It's just that um, I apologize. Please forgive me.